The holidays are just around the corner, and it's time to be thinking about getting those perfect gifts for family, friends, or maybe even for yourself. We have the perfect opportunity for you to take care of that shopping list and support ACB Media at the same time. It's the ACB Media Holiday Auction. Join us on Sunday, November 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Zoom or on ACB Media. You can bid on great, unique items like handmade crafts, collectibles, technology, and food including those wonderful baked goods and a whole lot more. If you want to get a jump start on things, the Sneak-A-Peak Appetizer Auction is also back this year on November 25th and 26th. Watch your email for more details or contact Leslie Spoon. Her email address is lesliespoon at cfl.rr.com. We'll see you Sunday, November the 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific at the ACB Media Holiday Auction. Happy bidding! The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. This is Vileen Shah, your facilitator for ILO Braille, welcoming you on the first Thursday of November, which is November 3, 2022. As you all know, this event is sponsored by the East Bay Center for the Blind in Berkeley, California, and supported by American Council of the Blind. Well, friends, as you all know, our guest speaker today is Deborah Armstrong. When I read this name, I feel that we are in we are in good, strong arms to be enlightened. And before I hand over the floor to Deborah, uh, welcome Deborah. Thank you so much. Uh, I would like to make a couple of announcements. Uh, one is about uh, Braille calendars, and they are available at no cost, a maximum of three copies. Uh, uh, it's available from American Action Fund for Blind Children and Adults. Most of you must be aware of that, but just in case, if anybody doesn't know, then that's the organization that gives you three Braille calendars. If you need three, if you need one, you can ask for only one because uh, it's a nonprofit organization. The number to call is 410-659-9315. If you do not remember this number, and if you are using computer, you can always go to the archives, which are available on the website of East Bay Center for the Blind. And you can listen to the past episodes, including today's. As you all know, all our sessions are recorded. And now we have that feature available that we are able to archive the recorded sessions on the website of East Bay Center for the Blind. Well, the second announcement is sort of a repetition that uh, it's uh, sometimes uh, maybe a little uh, strange to hear for some of you, but most states, not all the states in the United States, but most states change their clocks to save the daylight. And November 6th is the day to change our clocks. We will put our clocks one hour behind, which means if it is nine o'clock today here in California, it will be eight o'clock. That means we will meet one hour late. So please check your time, whatever country you are in, and uh, see uh, what time it actually nine o'clock Pacific in California or 12 noon in the Eastern 
standard time of america okay so starting next thursday although the time will not change for us to meet which is 9 pm but the clock will change that's the difference the clock will change not the time okay all right so we are so blessed to have deborah armstrong with us and she's going to tell us what prail blaster is it is indeed interesting that even though you blast braille even though you emboss braille uh, with the help of this braille blaster you don't have to pay anything we are really looking forward to such software as nvda which is a substitute for jaws and nvda is free and uh, as i understand I, i may be wrong debra correct me braille blaster is also available at no cost by american uh printing house for the blind uh debra has been associated with uh, community colleges as i think uh, disability services but debra you will tell us more okay i'm sorry uh so with this thank you again and the floor is yours debra uh we will uh, uh yeah, you know you will tell us so much all about braille blaster for about not exactly but something like 15 or 20 minutes and then we will allow our participants to ask you questions okay thanks a lot that sounds great and uh, if our um host wants to kind of track the time if i get too chit chatty i want to make sure we have plenty of time for questions so please let me know when 15 minutes has passed um okay. okay i have a i have some allergies so if you're a little bit of coughing and sneezing don't just ignore it please um i am also in california i'm going to give you a little bit of my background i'm going to tell you what i can and cannot talk about so that when you ask questions you already know what i know and what i don't know um okay uh so yes my name's Deborah Armstrong everybody calls me Debbie but my employer requires that I use my full name on my Zoom account I have a corporate account so I just use my full name everywhere when I post stuff but my friends all call me Debbie I uh I work I live in California here I'm in Milpitas so I'm not very far from the East Bay Center maybe about 40 miles and I uh work in Cupertino and I actually work at a community college that is only a mile away from the main Apple campus at One Infinite Loop the famous Apple campus but I am in fact not an Apple user I am the Windows tech for students with disabilities at the college and my title is alternate media specialist. And I was hired because I know Braille and at that time this is back in 2000 um several community colleges were sued because blind students wanted their textbooks in Braille and under the ADA they were required to produce accessible materials and they weren't doing it. So the colleges were frantically searching around for people who did know braille who could help them fill that requirement so they would no longer be sued. But in fact most of my job I do braille in fact I got to do some braille today for one of our deaf blind students that's another story but most I would say 85% of the students I serve have learning disabilities and I help them with the computer I make sure they have textbooks they can read on the computer uh I scan their books for them I convert their books I also order textbooks from publishers so that's what I do all day But because I am required to do braille and I do braille occasionally for various students, I've developed quite a bit of knowledge about braille translators and I'm kind of a jack of all trades. So I'm not an expert on any one of them, but I know a lot of them. <laughs> but what happens with braille is typically a student will come in and they'll say I need braille or the college will say we have a visitor who's blind and they're going to need braille and oh by the way they need braille this afternoon and you have like 2 hours to put their braille together and oh here's a document so scan it and convert it to braille so a lot of times what I'm doing for people is quick and dirty braille it's not perfect super accurately transcribe braille it's braille that someone needed like right now so i've gotten very adept at quickly cranking out braille in a massive hurry um 
I've read Braille since I was five. I've used computers since 1980. I was a software engineer for 30 years. So I'm extremely competent with the technical aspects of doing all this stuff. What I'm not is a Braille transcriber. I am not someone who understands the ABCs of UEB back and forward. I can read Braille and I know if something is wrong when I see it, but I will never become a proofreader. I'm not that detailed oriented. So I cannot answer questions about specifics, um, very detailed technical specifics of Braille formatting, but I can crank out Braille in a big hurry and mostly it looks okay. Um, Braille translators. Oh, and I can also talk to you a little about the history of Braille translators, but I'm not going to get off on a tangent now. But if people have questions about that, I can talk about it. All right. So the Braille translator most people know about is Duxbury. And Duxbury has been around, oh my goodness, for I guess 25 years. And it was the premier translator for the IBM PC and probably still is. And I have a love-hate relationship with Duxbury. Most of the community colleges in California do buy it. And there was training for people on how to use it. That training's kind of disappeared. So old timers like me know how to use it, but a lot of new people don't. Um, and I'll tell you, there were several reasons I disliked Duxbury. And, and Duxbury is very popular. People love it. And that's cool. So I'm talking about my personal opinion. So my personal opinion was Duxbury is copy protected. So, and I work on a lot of different computers. So it was a giant pain to get it on different computers and use it. Also, Duxbury was super expensive. I'm, I think the last time we bought it, it was almost $800. And because we don't have that many blind students, like I told you before, I have 85% of my students are learning disabled. I was always arguing with my boss about this. He would say, well, how many blind students do you have? Well, I have one a year, maybe. And so you want to buy this $800 program? I'm like, uh, yeah, because it's the standard and because it's recommended. And yeah, right. I'm not spending $800 on a program we're going to use once a year. So yeah, my um, two... Uh, hatreds for Duxbury were A, the price, because I got tired of trying to justify why we needed to keep updating it, why we needed to buy it, and why I needed more copies for all the different computers I use. And I got really tired of the copy protection. So the price and the copy protection really turned me off. So I started looking for free possibilities for cranking out Braille, especially since I have to do Braille often at the very last minute. I get an exam. A California history exam comes in at 10 a.m. and the student's going to be taking it at 2 p.m. Well, you know what? I don't have time for nitpicky transcriber details. I just need to get them their Braille right away. So I was looking for free, quick and dirty Braille solutions. And the first one I tried was APH's Send to Braille which works pretty well, and I can talk about it at some point. I also sure. tried um, the various versions of NFB Trans. I had a DOS computer, so I used that for a while. And then I used the equivalent for Windows, which is WinBT, and there was a version 1 and a version 2. And so I was casting around, and even at one point, I managed to get turbo braille running on linux so i could do some braille because i was frantically trying to find a way that i could do braille without a copy protected piece of software and about the time that i was really hassling with all of these sort of um crummy solutions <laughs> which okay. didn't always work um I ran across um, an advertisement for Braille Blaster. And at that time, it was pretty new. APH was just beginning to work on a free Braille translator. And so I started using it when it first came out. Uh, Braille Blaster is now up to version 2.40. It's been around for about three and a half years. And um, let's see. It is a Windows program, but you can also run it on the Mac or on Linux. Um, it is called a portable program because uh, the, the, there's an installer for each operating system. But I think most people tend to use it on Windows. It's a WYSIWYG program. That is what you see is what you get. 
Um, so when you open it, you are seeing basically an edit window in which you can type text, paste text, or open a file. And when that file is open, it's automatically converted to Braille in the background. So you don't have to do any translating. The translating just happens. And underneath the hood, there's actually a text view and a Braille view. And by default, you're looking at the text view, but you can go into the Braille view. And the Braille view can show you the ASCII Braille, that is what it looks like on your screen and on your Braille display, or it can show it to you as dots if you are a low vision or a sighted Braille transcriber and you want to actually see dots, there is a Braille font, it will show it to you in. And when the American Printing House for the Blind decided to put together this project, it was an open source project, which means it's not copy protected. The code is available. The software underlying software that wrote it is available for people to modify if they want. Um, but like all free software, it has a bunch of issues. Free software tends to have a lot of bugs because various people work on it and because there is um, typically no company really funding it. Now, APH does fund Braille Blaster, they, but it still is a free program, which means that they're not putting all the resources into it that they might into uh, put into, say, a commercial piece of software. So it does have a bunch of bugs. There are workarounds for them. I can certainly answer questions because I've had a lot of experience, especially having to do things at the last minute where I just had to figure out why is it not doing Spanish? Oh my God, it needs to do Spanish. I need to have this thing done in an hour. So I've I've learned a lot about how to make uh, Real Blaster jump through hoops, especially when it crashes. And it does crash a lot. You you feed it a file and it doesn't like it and it errors out and all of a sudden you're back in Windows and Real Blaster is gone. So yeah, I've I've learned a lot about how to work around them. But I'm willing to put up with all of it because the program is free and the code, the Braille it does is really fabulous. It will speak to your embosser or you can uh, send the file out as a BRF and then uh, send it to your embosser later if you want. Um, it had some issues with the embosser I use here at home, which was driving me crazy and they have fixed them. Thank goodness. Um, but I have learned a lot about dealing with embossers in the process of hassling with it. So yeah, Brailbaster is great if you have a text file, if you have a Word file, or you have an HTML file that's really basic. Once your HTML file starts having tables and all that happy stuff, it can be complicated to make sure the Braille that it does comes out right. Um, am I running out of time? I was going to no, identify. Yeah, you're okay, good. You're so good. I'm doing seven, good. Okay. You, got another, you could do another spots. five minutes. Okay. Seven. Excellent. And we don't go hard and fast anyway. Okay, good. So you you find the program at brailleblaster.org and the site has some technical terms I'm going to identify for you now. Now, these terms are not things that you really need to deal with, but if you don't understand what they mean, you'll be sort of overwhelmed by all the the baffle gab on the site. So we don't want to boggle you with gap, baffle gab. So, so first of all, the first thing I want to talk to you about is NIMAC, and that stands for National Instructional, Instructional Materials Accessibility Center. And here's the deal. When we when there were younger blind people back in the 70s and 80s that got mainstreamed, each school on their own had to deal with how are we going to get books transcribed into Braille. And so back in, I think it was 2004, a federal law was passed that basically told publishers, look, you have to provide electronic versions of your textbooks that we can transcribe into Braille. And so that's how the NIMAC was formed. So yeah, it says here created by IDA 2004. So I was right about that. I'm looking at the NIMAC webpage, which says the NIMAC is a federally funded searchable online repository of source files for K-12 instructional materials. Now this does not help me in the community college situation, but the reason the NIMAC is important is because this database contains files that come from the publishers and they're in a computer language called XML. 
So they're not really textbooks that you can just grab and start putting into Braille, but they're there in a publisher supplied format that software can utilize. Well, the problem that transcribers had was there were all these great books in electronic format in XML, but they still had to find a way to transcribe them. So yeah, now we have the books from the publisher in electronic format. You don't have to scan them. You don't have to hand transcribe them, but you've got to figure out how to use software to convert them. So Braille Blaster was originally created to solve that problem. The idea was that you could feed one of those XML files into Braille Blaster and poof, it would give you a transcribed Braille textbook without you having to hand transcribe anything. And so the idea was to maybe put a few Braille, sighted Braille transcribers out of work. Um, or to save school districts money. Who knows? But anyway... One of the things APH found out pretty quickly is that professional transcribers continued to use Duxbury and pretty much ignored the NIMAC. I mean, they would sometimes get books from the NIMAC and use another piece of software called Braille 2000, which is also available from APH, to convert the NIMAC files into something that Duxbury could read. But anyway, while all that was happening, um, Braille Blaster was being taken up like by people like me and also by itinerant resource teachers, TVIs, people who basically were responsible for seeing that a blind high school or elementary school student had Braille in a timely manner. Or people like me in a college situation who had like a couple hours to crank out some Braille for somebody. And so APH realized they were going to have to change their focus, that instead of uh, Braille Blaster being such a technical thing, it was going to have to appeal to the average uh, teacher for the visually impaired, the average TVI, or the average person like me in a college situation who just needed Braille right now. And so they did make a few changes to their interface. They made it so that it would support more file formats, and they brought out version two. Now, version one would do the old Ebe style of Braille, the old grade two that we read as kids growing up, but version two only does UEB. It does uncontracted or contracted UEB. It does Spanish, US, and it does Cherokee. I'm not sure why it does Cherokee, but it does. But it does not do the old style grade two. And just quickly how to use it, and then I will be quiet and answer questions. You basically download it, you install it, you have a file you want to put into Braille, you open that file in the trans in the um, in the edit window, you page around, you edit it, you may set the line length, the page numbering, the margin, stuff like that. And then you either emboss it or save it as a BRF to emboss somewhere else. And that's all you do. Other Braille translators require uh, that you uh, do a translation step, and Braille Blaster does not. So I guess that's all I have to say about it right now, and I'm ready for questions. Thank you so much, Deborah. Uh, you almost like 29 participants uh, heard you, and I'm so glad to know that you have been associated with Braille Blaster since its birth. Uh, a few things I would like to specify for our audience. I know that uh, quite a few of you, my friends, are not using a Braille embosser, or you don't have. Braille embossers are so expensive. And Braille Blaster is a software that converts a print file into Braille. And then you need, I mean, it, it first appears on the computer when it converts. And then you need a Braille embosser to emboss and make a hard copy Braille. So for some of you who are at the stage of learning Braille, I think most of you have completed, but I know that some of you do not, uh, still have not done it. So for those, uh, certain things uh, may be a little unfamiliar when you heard. However, it is good to know because down the road, when you are doing everything in Braille, you may need a Braille translation software or something like Braille Blaster, okay? So 
uh, that is one thing I would like to specify. And I think, Deborah, you used the uh, acronym TVI, correct? That's correct. Yeah, that is Teachers for Visually Impaired. And there are itinerant teachers, which means uh, the teachers who go from school to school and teach uh, visually impaired and blind people Braille and uh, other skills, which uh, allow the learners, the children or students of any age to be part of the sighted, uh, uh, you know, part of the class with sighted people, sighted peers. So that's uh, one thing they you know that, and that that was one of the mentions that uh, Deborah made or Debbie. I think I, you like me to call you Debbie. Like yes, calls? I do. You'll <laughs> okay. see Deborah everywhere because that's my employer's requirement. Okay, I like to be called Debbie. So uh, with that, I now keep the floor open for questions and feel free to ask. So far, we have three hands raised. The first up is Dawn. Okay, All right, Dawn. Okay, so, okay, sorry. I had to find the giant unmute button. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you so found it. First of all, Debbie, I, I know how it feels to go through allergies. I hope you feel better soon. And second, um, I, I have not attended college, but when I was in public school, they would do the same darn thing to me and my aide all the time. It was, oh, can you braille this for, you know, they give us something and, oh, can you braille this today? And it's Monday, but we, and we need it for Tuesday. And, you know, sometimes we, you know, we would get that. And then we would also get stuff for, you know, hey, it's first period. Can you have this done by second period so she can have it to work on? And no, we can't. So I know how that feels. Um, the questions that I have, um, one is kind of for me, the other is kind of for everybody else, but um, questions being one, um, is that available for an iPad or iOS device? And if not, is there any type of alternative that you can use? And second, could you also do, so like if people have e-readers or something like that, could you also put this so say you got a file and you translated it. Could you also put that file onto a thumb drive and then put it on your e-reader or put the thumb drive in your e-reader to read or your braille display? Just, you know, because some people, they either don't have embossers or they have them, but they haven't set them up yet or whatever. So that might be something to look into if people have e-readers floating around. Okay, so uh, first of all, and you know, your question brings up something really interesting. We, in the college uh, situation, we have a lot of professionals that will work very hard to produce translated Braille for a blind student who has a Braille display. But the reality is that most modern Braille displays can translate just fine on their own. So they go through all this extra work not realizing that the Braille display will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, if I want something in Braille, like this whole thing on the NIMEC, I had some notes here. All I have to do is copy a word or text file over to my e-reader or my Brilliant. Uh, and this also goes true for the HIMSS displays. And it will translate it automatically. There's no need for me to use Braille translation software. And I believe the original Orbit reader was not able to translate. So you had to run something through a translator. But, And of course, older Braille displays, you know, the older Brilliant's uh, may not have been able to do it without a computer because you know of course jaws also can translate so once you have a computer connected so this goes back to your your question about the ipad which is you know i don't know any way you can use ios to produce embossed braille um well i know one way but it's expensive but i don't know an easy way to produce embossed braille however your your ios is automatically going to translate braille when you connect a braille display so unless you really need embossed braille there's no need for a translator um the other thing i'll say um is some of the modern braille embossers like the index dv5 at work 
That can do the old style braille. It can't actually do UEB. So from my iPhone, I can actually send it via Bluetooth a document and it will automatically convert that into grade two braille. So again, I don't need a translator. So a lot of times the equipment itself can do the translation. You pretty much need a translation if you need something specially formatted or you need to emboss it on an embosser that can't do it or like my index, which can't do UEB. It can only do regular old eBay grade two. Epic yeah, grade I'm two. wondering too, because I have a Juliet 120 and I can't, um, we tried to get stuff to the iPad to that and... I, we just, I don't know if it's just not possible or what, but we tried to get stuff through that to the embosser so it can emboss from the iPad and we just, I don't know if it's, I don't know what we're doing, but it just will not, it, it would not work. <laughs> I think uh, you're going uh, to have to get it from the iPad to your, your computer and then from the computer to Juliet. I do not own a Juliet. I played with one at Guide Dogs for a while, so I'm kind of familiar okay. with it because I basically had helped someone else try to get it to work. Okay. And <laughs> But yeah. I have friends who have one. So what you really need to do is just find someone who already has one who can tell you what it can and can't do or um, – have send the manual to someone technical like if i looked at the manual i'd be able to tell you what it can and can't do because i don't know if it can translate it might yeah. be too old to be able to translate but i have i have the manual for it basically um, getting stuff out of ios can be kind of an adventure um sometimes sometimes when i really need to get something out of ios i just mail it to myself so i have it on my computer <laughs> Um, right. Be yeah. That's because the iOS is 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 sandboxed. It they yeah. they don't want you stealing music off of it. So it it you no. can't just plug a flash drive into it and copy files, unfortunately. And I'm kind of yeah. stuck because that's literally the only thing that I have right now is an iPad. So <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> you can yeah you can bring it to the attention of APH to add some feature so that people using iPad can also do the, you know, use Braille Blaster and uh, run a Braille copy, something like that. There should be a way out. I can imagine it would be real fun to translate the Braille Blaster code into the language, the app language, uh, Swift, that iOS uses. Oh, I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay, let's see who is next. Michael Moore next. Michael Moore. Tell us more about your question, Michael Moore. All right, a couple things. Uh, yeah. Number one, uh, I understand, like um, you said that you can translate any .txt file into a .brf file with Braille Blaster. So my question is, say for example, like, like the Holy Bible has like in a text form, there are words that are in, looks like they're brackets, I think, or left brace, right brace, whatever those things are. That means that they're, they're supposed to be in italics. So do I, would I have to put like the underlined sign, like before the words in order to translate into a BRF file? Uh, That's one probably you'd have to go and do a search and replace depending on if your file if if you had uh, curly braces surrounding anything to be in italics you'd probably have to do some sort of search and replace uh, braille blaster has the concept of styles just like word so you can pick an italic style but the way you have to do that is you have to select that piece of text and then apply that style uh, so um, actually what if it was something I had to do, I would probably put it in Word first. I'd put the correct styles on it, and then I'd go ahead and and open that Word file in Braille Blaster so it would automatically translate the italic style from Word to the italic style in Braille Blaster. Because Braille Blaster will do a lot of this stuff automatically if if it understands the file format, the... the um, 
imported file format. But the other thing is, if what you want is a Bible in Braille, you really should talk to Optasia Ministries. They already have perfectly formatted Braille Bibles for you to read on a Braille yeah. display or embossed. I understand so that, but I, I wouldn't go I ahead know, and do it I, yourself. Well, the thing is, I don't know if there's any Bibles in BRF format in UEB. Oh, I don't know Bible, if Optasia's Bibles are in UEB. Oh, um, yeah, they are. Okay. All, okay. all the newly published material since 2016, you may find them in UEB. Okay. Now, now maybe uh, maybe back. majority of Bibles are not in UEB because they were produced before 2016, but at least there are some that are available. Right. Right. Okay. And there's so now, many translations too. You need to figure out if your translation is going to be in UAB for you. Yeah. Now, another question I have, I don't know if this is Braille Blaster related, but getting back to Dawn's uh, question, are there programs for iOS that can translate uh, into uh, like a .brf file? I don't know of any. That doesn't mean they don't exist, but I don't know of any. I mean, of course, you can use Braille screen put, input to type. You can, your iOS can talk to a digital Braille display, but uh, the only way I know of iOS to talk to a Braille embosser is if you have a Braille embosser that knows how to do a grade two or UEB. Because with a BRF file, you can actually, you can actually just read it on your, you can just read it on a, on a Braille display without using an embosser. You can. And like I said, you don't, you know, for a lot of Braille displays, like the Q Braille and most modern Braille displays, you don't even need a BRF. The Braille display will automatically open those things. Yeah, that's but what I, I thought. I yeah. have a student with a Q Braille and I don't give her BRF files. I give her Word files and she can open them okay. just fine. With, with the Braille Blaster, you don't need a BRF file. Is that right? That's all right. Braille Blaster's purpose is to take yeah. a formatted file and turn it yeah. into either a BRF file or embossed directly. Right. Mm -hmm. So BRF, that is Braille reading. What is that? Braille ready format. Braille, Braille ready, ready file. Braille, Braille ready, ready format. format. Yes. yes. That's what right. that stands for. Uh -huh. And that's when you get a book from NLS. Uh, or you have Bookshare do Braille for you, what you get is a BRF file. And those uh, can be read pretty much on um, any Braille display. Um, the ones that only connect to a computer, of course, you have to make sure that the computer is, the screen reader is also not translating when you're reading it. I'm ready for another question. Okay, we have Jane up next. Okay. Thank you. Did you get your answer, Michael? I believe so. Thank okay. you. Okay. All right. We'll go to the next participant. Is that Jane? That was me, Jane. Yeah. Jane, okay. you need to unmute yourself. Yes. I am. I okay. am. Can you hear me? Perfect. Yes. yes okay. Um, okay, great. Um, hi, Debbie uh -huh. and everyone. Um, right. Like you, Debbie, I have a love-hate relationship with Duxbury. Um, I have to do a lot of uh, files that are pretty heavily formatted when I produce things for BRL. Um, <coughs> and so I was looking, I got real excited about Braille Blaster because when Don Brita goes, there goes all of my knowledge about Duxbury because I, every time I have to do something, I have to call him. How do you do such and such? Um, when I bring a Word document into whatever translator I'm using and it's formatted the way I want it in Word, when I when I emboss it, it never quite comes out right. Um, I, I love Turbo Braille with all my heart and soul. I loved Turbo Braille. I could do anything with Turbo Braille for Doc. Me too. Um, and so I, I, I can't format things right. Um, is it any easier in... Braille Blaster, and, and can I just put formatting codes, if I bring a document into Braille Blaster, can I just put in codes or something and tell it I wanted a blank line here and I want all of the paragraphs to to um, 
to start at the left margin or else I want the paragraph two spaces in and then everything else at the left margin. Um, I don't have any way to have control over that. Um, and is there a, a tutorial or something that would teach me how to do this? Not really. You're I'm kind of stuck with the manual, but um, it oh. does get, each version gets better. Um, what I typically do is I, I bring in a word document and then um, I, I create a BRF and look at it on my Braille display to see all of the errors, the formatting errors, which there are like a zillion of them. Then I go back into Braille Blaster and I start applying styles to the paragraphs that are not formatted the way I want. So there's there's like a list style and there's a poetry. So, you know, the poetry style works really well for recipes. So there's a lot of different styles you mm -hmm. can apply. And so that's how I handle it. And if for some reason, my braille displays at home and I'm at work or something, then I will have to emboss it. And then with my embossed copy next to me, I go through it uh, paragraph by paragraph, yeah. applying yeah, styles I do that. to what it, it does a pretty, and it's getting better. It automatically, uh, it can automatically do a lot of formatting for you. It works really, really well with uh, Nymus books, of course, but most of us are not producing braille for K-12. So we end up having to, uh, do for like for example it, if i have an html document with tables it does a good job on some of them but on others it crashes and then i found out the problem was if a if a table crossed a page boundary that caused it to crash so then i had to go in and, and dink around with the table to make sure it didn't cross a page boundary so it does still require quite a bit of tweaking but mm -hmm. um you can make it, you can make, you can whip it into shape, but it does take some time. Now, where is the manual? Is it, is it within the program itself or something? Oh, or when no, you install it's another it? HTML file. You go to the Braille Blaster website, you look for the link that says documentation, and then okay. there's a documentation. I was and really disappointed to find out that it only does UEB. I'm one of those people who like the old way and if it's for my own self i never use ueb so i, know. I was really disappointed. version one does ueb and you can still download version one but then you get other can you? so yeah you can oh, still download because no. a lot of people were like uh i want regular grade two yeah. um yeah ebay they call it for some reason yeah but anyway yeah, yeah, so yeah. you can still <laughs> download version one if you want the old style and i agree with you about turbo braille it kind of vanished off the oh, internet you used to be able to get a i loved it linux well chuck i don't use linux but chuck Allenbeck is gone I know. so i was user number 131 i loved it yeah anyway, i was so. I, I loved it too oh. believe me it was one of the best real translators ever it was oh. worth every penny i spent yeah sometimes Absolutely. good yeah. things go away Things and go there's no way we can hold it. 20 years from now, people will be saying, oh, Braille Blaster, it used to be such a great program. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But, but those who, who have a little problem with UEB, actually, UEB is not so different. You know, it's barely 5% yeah. different. Um, so when you read UEB, you don't know. Feel you know, particularly if you are reading, it's not much different. It's for writing or as a translator, a transcriber. It there can are be some tricky more for challenges. Yeah, and I don't know all those rules, but yeah. most of my students don't either, so it kind of doesn't matter. Uh, the other thing I want to say about UEB is over on the Braille Display Users list on groups.io, Richard Turner, who runs that list, is a retired rehab counselor. And one thing he's done is he put together a series of audio tutorials on reading UEB, and they're really, really good. They take uh -huh. you step by step through them. And uh, so um, I can find that link and send that to you if you want to uh, put that up sometime. But it, it's really helpful. Great. Okay. Thank you, Jane. We move to the oh, next. Agnes at next. Hi, Agnes. Debbie. Yes. Hello. Hi. I have a quick question. With when you use Braille Blaster, if you find something that you need and you feel you want to change, um, can you do it? And let me just give you an example. I was doing some Braille proofreading for, uh, for, of something for an organization, a place, and 
in the print copy, they had U.S. written capital U, capital S. And in the Braille copy that they sent me, it came out as the letter, as just the word us. And I know, and I know in Duxbury, there's ways you could fix that. Um, but I was wondering how that can be handled with Braille Blaster. Yeah, you're working inside an editor. So you're working in an editor window, so you can change anything. Okay. Uh, and I, like, for example, I'm doing a vocabulary sheet today for a blind student who is also deaf. And um, the formatting of the sheet is going to really confuse her. So I have to go in and make sure each word is on its own line and it's double line space. So I'll be working in the editor to, to alter that. And there are a couple of places where... Um, the, the way the words are formatted, it looks really funky in Braille. So to, since she's taking an exam, I need to change it a little, just like your U.S. example, mm -hmm. to make sure it's clear to her what she's looking at. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We have yet our last question so far is from Deborah. Hi, Deborah. Hi, uh, Deb. Sorry, That's my... Fine. Parrot is yelling in the background here. Um, it's interesting. Funny... Debbie is asking Debbie a question. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I tried to download uh, Braille Blaster, and when when I did, I don't know what happened. I had the most funniest experience with it. I tried to send a um, um, a file to Braille Blaster, and I don't know how in the world it happened, but it ended up going to my dentist's office. So, so I thought, oh my goodness, I felt so embarrassed. Um, fortunately, they couldn't make out the file what I was trying to what I was trying to do. Um, but it's it's it was it was just um, I just found it complicated to to do, and it would be uh, so easy for uh, you know to be be able to do it. I have the Focus uh, uh, Forty Blue Fifth Generation. And um, I, I would like to, like the focus doesn't have a, a translator as far as I know um, yeah, built I into it, so not like the uh, note takers and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, is, there, uh, is there a website for the uh, Braille Blaster? I, I'd give it a try again. Brailleblaster.org. And you probably were downloading old version. I have no idea why it went to your desk. Yeah, yeah. Trouble with that, I would need a lot more information. But yeah, uh, but it's brailleblaster.org, and you know you're going to install it on Windows or Mac or Linux. It's not an iOS program. I doubt no. it ever will be. I'm I'm running Windows 10 mm -hmm. on my okay. desktop computer. Yeah, so am I. It'll it'll run on Windows 10. Yeah, fine. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'll give it a try again. I don't know what went wrong. Um, it, it just it was just like right out there. Why would it have gone to my dentist office instead of Braille Blaster? Uh, you know, like I don't know. Weird. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'll give it a try again. I, I won't take too much of your time there, but I I just wanted to kind of run that by and see if you you know had any had any advice but that's okay I'll, I'll try it again and see what happens sounds good <laughs> and i can answer more questions or if you want me to talk about something else i can sure um, we have so 13 minutes participants you are encouraged to ask questions we don't have anybody who has raised hand So anybody, feel free to ask. You have a chance to ask now. Um, I know it's a little too technical. Yes, Abraham, you I have a question? Uh, Deborah, raise hand again. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, otherwise, we can go to Dolan. Dolan? Yeah, hi. Hey. Well, Debbie, thank you for this presentation. I enjoyed it. I also enjoyed your article in the Braille Memorandum on this. Ah, um, yes, that's right. Actually, let me add, it, it was that article that prompted me to think of Deborah, and I tried to reach her. And after I 
hours back from her and she agreed. I did not even know that she lives in California, but one of my friends later told me. Okay, go oh, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm glad I you know Cupertino on. now. Yeah. This is wonderful. Okay. Uh, well, Debbie, I'm, uh, I use Perky Duck right now to go through the Braille Transcribers course. And um, I'm wondering with Braille Blaster, if you needed to put in you know, to, like Agnes's example, where you just need to go in and manually edit something. Is it the same where you're going to be using the SDF and the JKL key? Yeah. Uh, it does. I have not tried that feature. It's that has it has that feature where you can use a PC keyboard as a Braille keyboard to enter the Braille directly, but it is not a feature I've ever used, but it is there. I think you might be better off with Perky Duck. Um, just because that's all it can do and you don't have the complication. I know when you're taking these transcriber courses, they don't want you to use a program that auto translates either. So. Oh yeah. I'm not allowed to use that for it. I just, Perky Duck's my only reference point. That's why I kind of use right. that right. question. Cause eventually I hope to, you know, be able to be in the realm of transcribers and using this. Um, right. Right. I did have one other question. I'm not sure it's specific to Braille. Go ahead. I don't think we have any hands. Okay, cool. Well, it's just, you know, I get it if you get a text document, a Word document, something accessible. What if you receive like a PDF that isn't well coded or like just something that has to get scanned into the computer? Do you use an OCR for that first? Typically, yeah. Uh, I really love Kurtzel 1000, but OpenBook also works in JAWS by itself, will translate, and NVDA also has OCR. But I'm in love with Kurtzel 1000 because you can set it to either extract text from the PDF or OCR the PDF. And what I usually do when I get a PDF, I'm really sort of neurotic about this, I do four different things. I first extract OCR from, I do OCR from the PDF with the two different, it has two different engines in Kurzweil 1000, it has the Omnipage engine, has the Fine Reader engine. So I, I create a, a text file with the Fine Reader engine, I create a text file with the, um, the um, Omnipage engine. Then I go ahead and extract text from the PDF. And now I've got like these three different text files and I look at them and compare them. And whichever one is the best I use as my master. But then if I get to a place where I'm not sure what the OCR results are, then I can go look at the other two text files and see uh, what I got. And that helps me a lot if I'm scanning an exam, especially if I have to have that exam done the same day and I don't have cited help. Wow. Uh, well, thank you for the uh, process. Yeah. Uh, would you like to uh, specify more what AC, OCR is for our audience? I'm pretty certain many of them do not know. Okay, so OCR stands for Optical Character Recognition, and it is the process of taking a picture, uh, which is often a scanned image, but sometimes it's just a PDF or a photograph uh, on your computer, say a, a cell phone picture of a page, and converting that into text. So optical character recognition is the process of getting a picture, getting text out of a picture. And this is what seeing AI and KNFB Reader do. This is what Kurzweil and an open book do. Uh, this is what JAWS does when it reads a PDF to you if you uh, enable OCR on it. So in other words, JAWS or similar speech output software cannot read if it is an image or a photo or you know a, a file that is like a picture and That's that correct. needs to be converted into the text format and that is what OCR means optical character recognition uh, you know it it converts into sort of a text file right That's correct okay okay now I think our friends will understand it better what OCR mm -hmm. is. Yeah, so you continue your discussion. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm waiting for more questions. I'm done. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, it's seven minutes yes, to Abraham. the hour. It's seven minutes to the hour, and uh, we have no more questions. Oh, uh, we have a couple. Okay. Um, oh, no, we don't. Sorry. Well, let me just say a couple of words about APH Send to Braille. 
um, which is another program that APH uh, wrote, which is also free. It's infinitely easier to use than Braille Blaster, and it's infinitely cruder. And it's S-E-N-D, number sign two, the number two, Braille, B-R-A-I-L-L-E. You can Google for it. They're up to version two. And it's not actually, when you install it, it ends up in your context menu. Unfortunately, this only works in Windows. But basically what happens after that is you can right click or hit your applications key on a particular file and choose send to Braille and it creates a BRF version of that file. So if I have a Word document and I want quick and dirty Braille, like say for a focus display or a, um, a Braille display that does not do um, um, translated Braille or I need something I got to emboss right now, uh, then I would right click on this Word document. I'd scroll down to send to Braille. I'd pick that and we would get a BRF that I could print. Um, and then just lastly, I'll say a few things about the Braille Revival League. Jane, of course, is our treasurer. You had Ralph speak to you a few uh, weeks ago, who is our secretary. I am a board member. We are the Braille Revival League of the American Council of the Blind. And we have a great newsletter. I've written a ton of articles for that newsletter on various technical topics like how to get windows to print BRF files and how to do calendars in Braille and of course on Braille Blaster. So if you join the Braille Revival League, you can get our great newsletter and get all kinds of What's the of name help. of the newsletter? Newsletter. It is the Braille Memorandum. Right. And we have had Ralph presenting about, you know, production of Braille Memorandum. So at least those who are present here that day, uh, they do know a good amount of uh, information, but it's still, it's, it's good to say more. So go ahead. Well, I wrote a couple articles on um, using NVDA with Braille, and also I wrote one on how to get your ancient Braille display to work under Windows 10. And it's kind of technical, but people who want to delve into that should definitely check out a previous issue. Um, we have Agnes with a raised hand. I have a okay. quick I have a quick sure. question. Where, where is the Braille Revival League with having all of the past issues of the Braille memorandum being posted on the website like it was said it was going to happen? Well, we're working on the website where I'm on a committee that's doing that. And so eventually they will be up there. Some of them are up there now. Um, so it's just, I think it, that's a good question to um, ask in a couple of months when we finish updating the website, because we have a committee that's working on it. Uh, isn't there a link on ACB's website to go to Braille Revival there League? Is. There Phase is, one. and you okay. will find some of them yeah. there, not all of them, but it's it's happening. Okay, okay. so that will tell more about the league, mm -hmm. yes. Okay. And I think there is a membership fees, uh, $20 per year. I think it's be, 10. Uh, I join. should know I'm a board member. Actually, Jane knows all it's that. It's $10. It's $10 a year. $10, oh, I'm a sorry. Okay. All right. It's 50% then. If you want to pay $20 per year, that's fine, too. I'm, <laughs> you know, we'll keep it. Um, I'm always and, open to corrections, um, so no problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can... Yeah. Um, the, our website is braillerevivalleague.org. And mm -hmm. if you need to write to, to me, it's treasurer at braillerevivalleague.org. And um, I'll be happy to talk with anyone about if you have questions about memberships or if you want to contact one of our state affiliates, um, that kind of thing. But the BRL memorandum, the last two issues were like over 100 pages in Braille. And yes. next year, we're going to have three issues per year. So... Uh, it's a wonderful magazine, and I encourage anybody to join and uh, and get that. And interestingly, there was an article on I Love Braille in Braille Memorandum. Yeah. So, yeah, we are very much there. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Jane, uh, for okay. sharing Thank that. You. We have two minutes. And, uh, yeah, you've got we two are minutes. Reaching so the end of this hour, of course, we can extend beyond our if there is a question. Uh, because we are registered for 75 minutes if need be. Normally, we do it for one hour, but it's, we don't keep it too hard and fast. Anyway, last chance. If you have a question before I conclude. All right, ladies and gentlemen.
thank you so much for joining today. And Deborah, thank you so much for being our special guest speaker and and uh, enlightening us on a special software called Braille Blaster. I appreciate it. And on behalf of I Love Braille, I thank you so much, Deborah, Debbie. And before I conclude, I would like to tell uh, that please send me your feedback about I Love Braille sessions at shah at eastbaycenterfortheblind.org, which is S-H-A-H, which is my last name, at eastbaycenterfortheblind.org. I'll appreciate your feedbacks. Even if you didn't understand anything, tell me that. Send me a feedback. Okay. And I would like to be in contact with uh, Naima and uh, Agnes. So, Agnes, would you please send me an email, Shah at East Bay Center for the Blind? I'll appreciate it. With that, today's session is over. I wish you all a good week ahead and see you one hour late next Thursday. As I said, the time will remain same. The clocks will change. So take care and have a good day. Bye now.